the third episode of our A Couple Welcome. to Go podcast. Today's episode is going to be about languages, about being bilingual, multilingual, about having one brain and multiple personalities. Mm -mm -mm. Oh yeah. All right. So we have a pretty interesting topic uh, we think today, and it's something that really influenced us uh, generally, even in uh, our relationship, something that we talk about quite a bit, just because we come from different places and our mother languages are quite different. So it's a topic that's very personal to us as well. Yeah, you said it in every episode. In every episode, you're like, blah, 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 this topic is so personal to us. That's why we talk about it. Of course, that's why we talk about it. Why else would we make this podcast? Okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Not. <laughs> all right, so how do you want to go about this today? Well, okay, uh, kind of like with all the other episodes before, I would like to start with something that's a bit off topic, but kind of relates to something we did before. So mm -hmm. our last episode was about modeling and traveling as a model. And yesterday I showed Michael one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. uh, one movie that I haven't seen in a very long time. And surprisingly, even after rewatching it now, it touched me again really deeply. Yeah, it's really really uh, emotional and really touching. Yeah, and that movie relates to, yes, also the modeling world. So that's why kind of I try to make this bridge, you know, between the last episode and this episode. Bridge is going to be the new start. <laughs> uh, the movie is called Desert Flower. And it's about the life of Varys Diary. Um, or Diri, or I'm not sure if I pronounce her last name right. Sorry. Probably I... not. Yes, <laughs> probably not. She's a, she's a model from Somalia. But she became world famous. And not only for modeling, but later in her life also for speaking about an issue that's still very problematic in many places of the world. And that's female genital mutilation. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, that's not the topic to make jokes about now. <laughs> no, it is, it is absolutely um, terrifying what happens to uh, these young girls in uh, some countries. Even if now countries are starting more and more to ban it, it's, it's, like, it's still happening. And it's still happening even in, in civilized, quote-unquote, um, country like the United States. Uh, and it's a practice that's absolutely disgusting. Do you want to describe okay. a little bit yeah, what it is? Yeah, that's exactly what I was about <laughs> to say. That, yeah, you know, people might not even know what we are talking about. So female genital mutilation or, or how it was called before, uh, female circumcision, but they changed the terminology because people would compare it to male circumcision and that's a completely different story. Oh yeah, there's absolutely zero like comparison between both. It's day and night. Exactly. So there are different stages in which you can do it, but the most extreme and the one that also Varys experienced was the one where uh, girls, when they are young, uh, around the age of like three, five, eight, like young, before they start menstruating. Depending when they can find the person to do the operation on the kid. That's, yep. what, they okay, saying, yeah, right? yeah. That's what they were saying in the movie. Yeah, but that depends on countries. You know, in more developed countries, I guess, you can yeah. find a doctor earlier. Yeah. But okay, we're getting off topic. So um, what happens is that these young girls... Um, the doctors or the people performing this circumcision, this cut, surgery, <laughs> surgery, yeah, this butchery, they cut away their clitoris, they cut away their inner, inner vulva lips, and sometimes they even cut away parts from the outer lips, and then they sew all of that together and leave just a tiny, tiny, tiny little hole so, so pee-pee and uh, later menstrual blood can come through. So they basically cut off 
all the genitalia, all the female genital parts, everything that could bring some pleasure, everything that... Okay, I'm not saying that this makes you a woman, but everything womanly on that woman. Like, pretty much everything about the, the genitalia. Everything sexually, yeah. womanly, everything that genitals. Yeah, or everything that's... Well, not everything that's related to pleasure, but the outside portion of what's related to pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Like the clitoris, that's something also researchers discovered very late because the research in female genitals and female sexuality, basically everything besides male, like cis male sexuality, also LGBTQ, etc., um, is still very... Uh, very un, un unstudied. Uh, unstudied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just say there hasn't been as much studies as there was on the no, male counterpart. Not really. Also, like intersexual people are also really not studied much on, etc. Um, yeah. So the clitoris is not just this little little ball, but it has also an inner structure. So the inner structure, you they don't cut away, but. Also because they probably don't know even about the fact that there is an inner structure. But, uh, yeah, but still the main pleasure point yeah. is cut away. Yeah, that is and, the real point, yeah. Yeah, and the fact that they sew together um, the, vagi- the vaginal opening mm-hmm. is supposed to be because it prevents the possibility of somebody having sex with that woman. Before she gets married. Exactly. So this way, they kind of ensure that the woman will first not feel pleasure and second uh, will stay a virgin until she gets married. And then in the night of marriage, the husband takes a scissor, a sex scissors or a knife and cuts her open and then has sex with her. Yeah, it's terrifying. And this practice is something that is still happening in the world, even though um, Varys first spoke up about this this problem and it became a, a global issue that like several countries started to discussing about. Um, and like it was first talked about in the 1990s. And 30 years later, we are still having this issue, even though, yes, we have to acknowledge that a lot of countries started after it -hmm. became global and everybody started talking about it. Um, countries are started to ban this ish, the, this practice in their oh, in their yeah. in their environment, like within their country. <laughs> yeah, within their countries. Yeah, but there are still countries that have this practice ongoing, yeah. and there are still people doing it also illegally. I kind of came across the movie again because I saw the news that Sudan they uh, abolished this practice, like now. Now. <laughs> in 2020, like 30 years later, and nice. yeah, about time. <laughs> about time, but also. So good news because mm-hmm. these practices are also heavily rooted in the culture and are um, many times also very religious and as we all know it's very hard to change religious yeah, and cultural yeah, practices really hard to change true indeed okay yeah so um <laughs> that was the movie that we watched yesterday <laughs> i wanted to ask you something um yes. after the movie um i saw that you were really touched um, of course and also with all the scenes that were more dramatic, I would say, you you stared at the screen and couldn't look away. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts about the movie? I think the movie is absolutely fantastic. Um, it the, the portrayal of the issue is, is yes, it's dramatic, but um, it also does a really good job at showing the evolution of someone that was birthed in like the most away possible environment. Like the main character is she, she's born into a nomadic tribe in, in Somalia. So when she eventually managed to um, escape. escape and get to... Because she escapes uh, when she learns that she has to marry. Yeah. And when 
when they find a husband for her, like as soon as she starts menstruating, they find a husband for her yeah. and she is supposed to become his fourth wife and yeah. she's like, no. She's about like 13, 14 years old like at this point. So super, super young. Um, so she runs away and she, through various um, encounters, she manages to get to uh, London. And it's interesting because once she's in London, she kind of, we, we don't see that until further in the movie, but there's a lot of years that passes where she's not really in contact with the culture in London. So she, she uh, something happens and she gets out of where she is and then she's in the middle of London. She's been there for a while, but she has no idea what's going on. She doesn't speak the language and then she's kind of going around making a way in it. And just the evolution of the character, just aside from the whole issue, of course, the whole issue is the, the main, like it's one of the main problematic of the movie and it's, it's, it's what kind of pushes the character into the direction that she's going at the end of the movie. But the whole evolution of the character through who, who she was and who she becomes and the way all of this happens and like the strength that she must have had to go through all of these things and become the person that she was at the end of the movie or I'm guessing in life because it's it's based on a true story is absolutely incredible and uh, it, it puts in perspective what we think living a hard life is. Because yeah, <laughs> trust me, compared to, compared to that kind of living, uh, a lot of us have it really, really good. We do, yeah. We kind of like some point in the movie we looked at each other with Michael and we were like yeah fuck like our life is so easy compared to the lives yeah, of we have nothing people. to complain about yeah I have a deep deep respect for for Varys like she is an amazing woman mm-hmm. yeah everything she accomplished regardless of her upbringing it just it just shows that with the, the proper determination and the proper will and maybe a little bit of luck uh, you can really you can really make a difference in, yeah. in the world and the interesting part in the movie was also that the biggest changes, the positive changes that started happening for her, uh, started happening after she finally started to learn English. And that's what what can bring us to today's <laughs> topic, um, that learning a new language can sometimes really change your life. Oh, yeah. And not only sometimes, but it does change your life. It affects you in many ways. In more ways than you might think. <laughs> and not just from a perspective of, yeah, okay, I know a second language. I can talk to French people now, too, besides English people or something. Yeah. But it affects it affects your personality. Um, it affects also how people see you. Yeah, so Michael is bilingual. Oh, he, yep. He speaks uh, French and English. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and French is your native language, right? Yep, it is. English is your second language that you learned in school. Uh, yeah, I started learning it uh, in third year of elementary school or third year of primary school, depending yeah, on how you call it. Yeah, same with me. Uh, do, you, do you remember how old you are when you start? Yeah, I was also in the third grade because but, in but Germany we learn you, it later. How old are you in third grade? Oh my god, I don't know. Wait, first grade is what? <laughs> first grade is six years. Uh, Trick then question. Six, seven, eight. Okay. So I, you, I was seven because really I, young. Yeah, okay. I, I was seven because I started school at five. <laughs> what a smart ass. What a smart ass. Smarty pants. Um, so yeah, I basically started learning English in, in third grade and I was pretty lucky, I guess, into my interest because as far as I remember, in my class at that time, I was the only one that was really interested in the subject or interested in learning English. I come from a smaller village, uh, not village, but town, uh, where most people that speak French don't really have an interest into learning English because they most likely won't be that much in contact with the language. Um, oh, yeah. When I was in Michael's uh, birthplace and I met some of his friends from childhood, oh, their English was so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, and not just their English, but their whole understanding of the world outside of 
their space where they were living. Oh, that's a that's a smaller town or small village. Uh, well, not because my my hometown's not a small village like in any sense of the word. It's pretty big. Not, okay, not small like small village in Slovakia where a thousand <laughs> people live, but small for Canada. So how many people live in Sherbrooke? There's like seven hundred thousand. Yeah, seven. Oh, no. Wait. <laughs> what? No, 300. no. Three three hundred. I think three hundred fifty. I don't know. It, yeah. See, three hundred thousand people like is little for you. You know how much Bratislava has? The capital of. <laughs> Slovakia? Uh, I think it's eight. Half a million. Five hundred thousand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Are you sure that it's three hundred thousand? Uh, I'll double check in a second. Um, but yeah. So English wasn't very something that most people would look into learning or had a lot of focus in. They kind of saw it as something that was not very useful at the time. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, uh, a lot of people think that because Michael's from Canada, and a lot Hi. of people think that Canada is French and English, so that all people speak both French and English. English, but there is just one part in Canada that speaks French and the rest of Canada speaks English and the English people mostly don't speak French and the French people mostly don't speak English. Yeah, like unless you're uh, in a bigger in a bigger city, uh, especially Montreal. Montreal is probably the main hub where English and French kind of lives together. Yeah, Montreal is the capital of Quebec, the province yeah. where uh, you speak French. So yeah, in the big cities they speak both languages or speak more English. Yeah, more Montreal. Like if you go to Toronto or Vancouver, there's more chances that the second main language is going to be Chinese. Oh yeah, because they have a big Asian yeah, population. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, most of the French speaking you're gonna hear, uh, especially in Quebec. Um, so yeah. Anyway, go back to your point. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> no, wanted to clarify for people that don't understand. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, and then yeah, most mostly learned English through uh, school. But to be honest, I don't think it would have been enough. <clears throat> it would have been enough to bring me where I I am uh, currently with my English. And not because I didn't, like I didn't take advanced English classes or anything, but just because uh, I I believe that when you learn a language if you want to be really fluent in that language a big part of being like perfecting that language is to speak it a lot or to use it a lot um yeah for sure yeah um so yeah when you when you you need to use a language a lot to kind of have it very fluent in in your mind or in your everyday life and for me what really allowed me to practice it more was playing video games and it's it's always it's it's always funny when I tell that to people. Um, there's a lot of disbelief around it, especially when I tell it to older people that don't really like that didn't really experience that kind of environment where you're playing video games and you get to talk and chat with um, other people from around the globe. Honey, when you tell it to me, like even though I know this, like, every time you tell it to me, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I believe you, mm-hmm. but I still mm-hmm. kind of think... I, okay, I believe you, and I think you can learn a lot through video games, but I still kind of believe that movies are better for learning. No, I don't think so. Because no. movies you hear, when you play video games with someone and you speak with someone, you actually interact with someone. I don't mean just like just watching movies and not doing anything else, but watching movies in the combination of like interacting with English-speaking people. Like Movies are great. The way I watched movies to help me learn languages was, okay, when I wanted to improve my English, I would watch movies in English and then put English subtitles so I can see the words, how they are written also. Yeah, but how about when I play video games and I'm talking for four hours with uh, someone from America who speaks only English or someone from Canada that speaks English, it's not just listening to English and understanding and developing my understanding of the language, but it's also me actively speaking and creating those connections of speaking and coming up with words and developing my own fluency in the language. Okay, but don't you usually 
usually just speak about the same things. Like a movie can go in different direction, and all, all all the movies are different and stuff. So you will hear new words more often. Well, it depends on a scenario. Uh, I remember back in the days I would play a very popular MMORPG, and uh, there was some times where we, di we didn't do anything in game. We would just chat. So like I remember just hanging out on a voice chat. And it's basically like having a, a Zoom conversation that like you could compare to that nowadays. A Zoom conversation uh, without the image okay. and just talking about life. Okay, I can't compare because yesterday or when was it yesterday? It was the first time I used Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone out there that used Zoom or uh, if you don't know uh, what Zoom is, Zoom is a kind of a Skype but for video and people use it for work conferences and stuff right now. I don't know how people described it to me is that Zoom is Skype but better. That's fair because uh, Skype is pretty... Uh, anyway, we're not gonna get into this. Uh, so yeah, for me, like what I felt like what really brought me my, my English level up was interacting with people either through video games and also my first relationship. She, my, my girlfriend at the time was Anglophone and um, it really pushed me to practice and speak my English in topics that I did not approach before because you know mm -hmm. when it was my first girlfriend so everything romantic everything drama related to relationship and stuff like that okay so uh michael learned romance talk english <laughs> through his ex <laughs> and uh okay i don't know how to call the english that you play during video games but normal english we talked about okay, anything okay, okay. okay no i understand what you mean i understand i'm just at this point i'm just joking yeah, you're making fun of me <laughs> <laughs> a little bit but okay okay just you know the average person when you tell them that oh yeah i learned speaking english through video games, they will look at you weird. Yeah, it's out of context. It sounds a bit silly, but... Uh, because, you know, what people imagine is that, okay, what do you tell the people that you are um, talking to during the video games? Okay, like, go, go, run, jump, no, hide. <laughs> so, you know, that's why I imagine when you say, oh, yeah. I learned English through video games. Yeah, but uh, I actually made some uh, real friends through video games. Uh, and when you just have friends online, sometimes you just chat and, you know, just chatting, chatting helps immensely with... The okay, okay, before English. Michael goes into a spiral of why video games are amazing and blah, blah. Don't get me started. <laughs> Uh, let's continue with languages. Okay, so this type of learning another language, now we're going to talk about bilingualism. Yeah. But there's also multilingualism where, you know, bilingualism is when you are fluent in two languages. Multilingualism is when you speak more than that. Um, okay, so there are three main types of bilingualism. <gasps> Tell me about it. Ah, and it's the... Uh, compound bilingual like okay it's a bit hard for me because I'm out I'm actually a multilingual person I speak five languages yeah so for me it's kind of like eh, okay but so the compound bilingual that would be me with German um, from Slovakia yeah. as a two-year-old moving to Germany mm -hmm. and then uh, growing up in Germany and you, learning German as a kid. Yeah, you basically learned two different languages at the same time. Exactly. As a, a toddler to um, a certain age. Um, learning a second language, when, whenever you're under 12 and you're learning a second language or a third language, that's w when it con it's considered the compound phase. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, okay, uh, let, let me explain. I have, I have actually... Uh, a really good definition for it. So, a compound bilingual is an individual who learns two languages in the same environment that he, she acquires with one notion and two verbal expressions. So, as a child, you'll grow up in the same environment of, you know, you'll hear that language, those two languages mm -hmm. everywhere, kind of like, yeah. and you just 
learn in in your head they're in one box like this is the one box just for languages mm -hmm. and then you differentiate that okay this for example let's say the sun has two names for you mm -hmm. it's not like the sun in french and the sun in english but it's the sun and it has two names Oh, really? That's really cool. I didn't. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. And okay, then there is the second category. Uh, coordinate bilingual mm -hmm. acquires two languages in different contexts. So, for example, at home and at school. So the words of the two languages belong to separate and independent systems. That would be me. That would be you or me with French, because I went to bilingual... Uh, or you with English as well. Mm, Yeah, with English too, actually. Yeah. True. That's with me with French and English. Because mm -hmm. uh, I learned it at school and then like later in life. But first I started learning these languages at school and at home I would speak German and Slovak. Yeah. Um, and then the third category is a subcoordinate bilingual. One where one language dominates. And those are mostly older people who uh, learn the language like later in life yeah. and have like kind of like people that kind of may have like trouble learning the languages. Enough, it doesn't mean that subcoordinate bilinguals speak the language necessarily worse, but they don't co they don't create um, these systems in their head, mm -hmm. but they constantly translate one language to another in their yeah. heads. So they would say they would see the sun and let's say their native English uh, the native language is English um, so they would see the sun they would think sun but then they want to say it in I don't know French and then they would say uh, sorry sorry <laughs> exactly but they have to translate in their head yeah. all the time yeah and that's what you and me we don't do that mm -hmm. with English for example anymore or, and, or yeah. with yeah. it's just it's just fluent and kind of integrated at this point and the big difference that it that this all creates is that when you think of a language if you learned it early enough in your life or if you, you've been integrating the language for a long time, your view of the language and everything that's around it is more holistic. You, 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 you can understand more subtleties, more uh, like emotional subtleties mm -hmm. uh, and cultural subtleties better because you've been integrating everything about that language into your, your, like your brain for longer. As if you're coming from the outside, uh, when you're older and you're trying to learn the language, since your, your, your entire language spectrum is already formed, it's harder to understand those very the, the, the subtleties of emotional... Um, you can understand the sentence, for example, as an English-speaking person in French, or somebody says something in French and you understand what's he, what he means, mm -hmm. but you kind of don't understand like the whole emotion behind it, or like the little, little things, the, the things in tonage, uh, yeah. tonage and intonation, the yeah. things in intonation. And it's stuff. a more analytical view, I guess. And obviously yeah. this is not the case for everyone. There's exceptions or if you practice it enough I, I guess or at some point you might be able to start integrating it more but yeah there is a scientific evidence that compound bilinguals those who like usually people who grow up learning mm -hmm. two languages have a more emotional connection to yeah. the other language than the coordinate bilinguals that form a more logical connection to the language This is something interesting because it's not really scientifically proven yet. There is a lot of research to be done. But uh, there's a theory that that's also why children have an easier time to learn a second language. Because they kind of learn through emotions and stuff. Plus, a child has a formable brain. Yep. And we have two... Call this plastic. Plasticity. Plastic. Exactly. A plas more plastic brain. Um, 
And we have in our brain two hemispheres, where one hemisphere, it's not like it's half and half divided, but one hemisphere dominates with logical thinking, like there's more logical thinking happening there, and the other hemisphere is more emotionally uh, oriented. You call that logical intelligence and emotional intelligence. Yes, ma'am. And um, with adults, those two hemispheres are more separated. When for children, those hemispheres are more combined, like their brain is just like a big mush, kind of. I like how I'm the one with the degree in psychology and you're the one explaining the brain. (laughs) (laughs) True. Okay, but yeah, you have a degree in psychology, but I'm also very interested in biology, so... Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Okay, um, and yeah, so because children are more more able to connect like logical things with emotions when it comes to languages and because those two hemispheres are more connected, they are basically capable to use their whole brain to learn the language where two adults would use like one half and a little bit from the other half. Basically, they're able to use more brain power. Yeah, that's why it's easier for them. And also, it's uh, it's an interesting proven fact that uh, memory works better when we combine those memories with emotions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely that's definitely true. It's been proven and proven again, and we see it very easily in trauma cases yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. That when something that when you have a memory, something happens to you, and you you will more probably remember how that event made you feel than what actually happened, because our brain is kind of it tricks us in a way that a lot of our memories didn't happen hundred percent how we remember them, but the emotion that we felt that's something that stays. Oh yeah, and it, it it's vastly related to um, survivor's instinct as well. Your brain is basically ultra programmed to try and get you to survive. So whenever you experience something that makes you emotional, or whenever you experience something that brings fear or, or and like various either positive or negative emotions, we obviously remember negative emotions uh, better. But basically, your your brain is gonna remember that. It's gonna engrave what created that emotion, uh, just so it knows how to avoid it better next time, so you don't feel all these negative emotions and you can survive better. Yeah, there's like I mean, this is such a complex topic, and there's new things that uh, that are being discovered every day. So this podcast is kind of gonna be like it's 2020. So like, take it with a grain of salt that. There's always, always when we talk about science, there's always so much more research to be done and everything. And also, we're not entirely specialists, so obviously we, we do our researches, but don't be afraid to go out and do the research on your own and, and learn more about these things, because mm-hmm. I, I think that what we, we, the subjects that we touch are usually like pretty interesting, but they're also pretty... We, we don't go really deep, deep into I mean, them. we try to do like research as best as we can. We always try to go from sources that... Oh, even when credible. We, that are credible, exactly. And even what you, when you watch a video, like mm-hmm. I make sure that it's from a credible source, that it's uh, like a science channel that links all the uh, all the resources yeah, and the like you know the everything. articles, yeah. the studies, etc. So like I make sure that I'm not talking complete bullshit <laughs> here, and I'm not like oh yeah, this is what I think, but I sell it as my universal truth. Yeah, because if there's something that we dislike, is to talk through our hat. I love the expression. Through your head or through what? Your hat. Like, huh? What does that mean? Okay, explain. <laughs> basically, means you talk something that you're not, you don't know. Like when you talk about something that you don't know about, or something that you're not sure, but you make it your truth. 
Okay, wow, I've never heard this expression. See, this is something that Michael uh, was speaking English and has been speaking English in his life for way longer. He's older than me. <laughs> so uh, since you learned, learned it at school and then you moved to Montreal where people speak more English, like you are way more fluent in English than I am. A little bit. So like, I, I don't know many of these expressions and those like little cultural things that I just don't know. You're getting smooth though. I, I, I personally see an improvement since we started dating. So congratulations. Uh, and I see an improvement actually too, which brings me to a fun fact that I wanted to share with you. Tell me, tell me. Okay, baby. Yes. Do you remember Venici? Of course I remember Venici. So Venici, uh, for those of you who know the show The Bachelor. <laughs> oh no. That's the best comparison. Like honestly, <laughs> okay. come on. <laughs> okay, break it. <laughs> Okay, so in in The Bachelor, they go on something called dream dates, which is like a date, but it's so much better. It's kind of like once in a lifetime experience. And maybe maybe people who know How I Met Your Mother, you kind of can compare it to the super date that... <laughs> who organized it? Ted, Ted or Barney or well, something? Well, it depends. The, the, the one oh, that no, was super fast or the one that was... No, 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 no. I know, I know. Ted organized it, but Barney then went on that super yeah, date with okay. Nora. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Oh my god, I think I spoiled something from How I Met Your Mother. No, it's fine. It's not absolutely relevant to the story. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh god, people are gonna hate me. I hate people who, who that's say not spoilers. A, that's not even a spoiler. It's oh not like if you revealed god. someone that died or something. Okay, no. Yeah, okay. But I am the person that um, hates even the smallest spoiler. Like, I am the person that's often, if I want to see a movie, I will not watch the trailer because I don't want to have any spoilers. I don't want to know anything about the movie. Only if it's good, bad, or like kind of what it's about. And funny enough, you, you, the amount of times that we're watching something and then she's like, oh, I need to, to know uh, that thing about the actor or, or, what, or whatever, anything. And then she's just going to go online, like type in a question and then she's going to be like, fuck, I just spoiled myself. <laughs> Every Every time it's but I think it's kind I, of funny thing. But I think I also overreact. It's not no wait. It's not usually things that I look up about actors. It's something about the movie. Like yeah. I don't know what anyway, it, what is exactly. Find ways to you find ways to spoil yourself. You know, Game of Thrones for me that was the horror when Game of Thrones was popular and like the when it was like the most popular and the new seasons would come out. Mm -hmm. You know how hard it was for me to avoid spoilers for me that like every little fucking thing is a spoiler for me you just don't look at instagram and don't look at facebook no no, no. you don't open the internet like <laughs> at all like internet doesn't exist for you no <laughs> until you have seen the new game of thrones episode you just open your web page you wait till it, it, it exactly where the episode's gonna be you wait till it's released and then you refresh the page and you play you press play <laughs> Okay, but in Venici, Venici, we had this amazing date where we spent uh, one night in Venici, like two days, and that night we kind of like talked most of the night. Yes. And we had some wine. Definitely we know. And I noticed that I suddenly was able to speak better English with you. Oh, that's where you're going with this. Uh -huh. Okay, okay, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I know exactly the feeling. I've had that experience a lot of times in my life. So, it is scientifically proven now that drinking alcohol actually improves your language skills. Damn! But, 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 but before you start running to the fridge and taking out some beer or like <laughs> grabbing a bottle of wine and then, and then drinking that while studying, 
I'm apologizing, we had to make an unexpected break, but now we are back. And uh, continuing with my thought, um, so drinking a bit of alcohol improves your ability to speak a foreign language, Mm -hmm. another language. And how does that happen? So it has nothing to do with memory. Uh, Like drinking while learning will not make you learn better. Like it has nothing to do with memory. It will actually, drinking when you learn will make your memory worse. Yep, drinking and memory, (laughs) no bueno. But um, a certain level of alcohol, like a little bit, I mean, not talking about being drunk, but a little bit of alcohol helps you lower your stress level and makes you kind more at ease and you don't constantly think okay i'm gonna make this mistake when i speak the language i'm gonna make this mistake and you just speak basically lowers your inhibition and puts away like the amount of people that are trying to speak a language that they're speaking for like not relatively fluently and are like oh i'm nervous to 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 speak because i don't know what people are going to judge me or because i'm not so good at that language well when you have a few drinks let me tell you (laughs) that those thoughts go out the window real fast we don't want to encourage you to drinking no not at all please be over 18 or for the states over 21 (laughs) or for wherever you live (laughs) (laughs) or for whatever you live like uh, legal drinking age in mind but this is an interesting fun fact that scientists in netherlands found out it's something that people have been kind of observing for a while but Mm. yeah now we have a real scientific proof for it thank you thank you yeah no i know i'm not crazy now It's just funny because I really felt this when we were in uh, in Vienna and I was kind of like... In Vienna? Oh, fuck. In, <laughs> in Venice. In Venice. Because um, that was at the beginning of our relationship. And yes, I definitely, I would agree that my English improved so much since we started dating. Mm-hmm. And that was at the beginning. And I was also so nervous to just embarrass myself in front of you. Aww. Like not being able to speak English so that good. Dude. <laughs> I mean, obviously my English was... No, it was good. Dude. Like good. It wasn't bad. But I'm also a big perfectionist. So I'm gonna I'm going to find flaws and things where there are no flaws and make myself crazy over it for no reason. No, really? (laughs) God. I feel like I already said in this podcast that I'm a perfectionist. I think it's going to come back pretty Uh, often. A lot of times. You know, that's my excuse for everything. If something happens, (laughs) if something is not going my own way, if I'm like stressing over something too much, I'm just like, bitch, please, I'm a perfectionist. That's why. Perfect, okay. (laughs) So, what's the relation between the bachelor and that story? Sorry, what? What's the relation between Bachelor? Oh, Bachelor, the show. Yeah, it's just that the, the dream date, like the date we had, oh. was kind of like the dream dates of Bachelor. Oh, okay. Like okay. this amazing date that I'm going to probably never have in my life again. Like that was just what a you movie mean? experience. You, think, you don't think I can recreate that perfect date for you? Well, yeah, but also... Okay, this is, is going to sound so bad again. <laughs> this just... Okay, when two people start dating... There's the just when two people start dating, there's this kind of different chemistry and attraction between them. And we've been a couple for what two years now, almost mm-hmm. two years or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, when I wake up in the morning, baby, I look at you and I have butterflies. Nah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. No, okay, I still love you. Like, I love you. <laughs> I oh, still no. love you. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm having so much fun with this. Hey, you're 
just teasing me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck you. I love you too. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. There's something magical when you start dating and... Because it's, it's exciting. It's yeah. a new person. Exactly. You're getting to know a new person. is like a whole different new experience. Yeah, And exactly. it's just a different, different kind of love. And we talked about this already in our uh... first episode where we talked about past relationships. And Michael also uh, brought up an article uh, about different kinds of love. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So if you want to know more about that, go to listen to <laughs> our first, first podcast. To listen yeah. to our first episode. <laughs> But finish this one first, please. <laughs> yes. More inter interesting stuff to come. This podcast is called One Brain, Multiple Personalities. And it's not only supposed to be a catchy title, but uh, I also want to talk about how knowing a different language affects you personality-wise. Yes. Do you have some specific experiences with this? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so I speak two languages, right? Uh, French and English. And I do believe that my when I speak English or when I'm in, in a context where I'm using more of my English, English, I have a different persona, a different um, kind of personality that when I use my French. And I believe that this is anchored in the fact that I mostly use my French. Like I learned French growing up. And when I was growing up, I... I wasn't the most comfortable person. Like I had self-esteem issues and I, I come from a town that uh, is very, I would say douchebaggy <laughs> in the sense that what what's uh, kind of looked at for a guy is to be more muscular and, and kind of more of a jock. And obviously I do not fit that description. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not muscular. I'm not a jock at all. Michael is a big Italian spaghetti. <laughs> yes, spaghetti. That means he's skinny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So not fitting into that kind of ideal. I, I had self-esteem issues and I didn't, I didn't think I was like you know, good looking or super handsome or whatever. Baby, you are good looking. Whatever. And fuck that, you're a model, so yeah, yeah, well, just, you well, know, happens, middle that, finger in their face. That happened later. Anyway, um, so growing up with... Not, not saying that only models are good looking people. That's not <laughs> where I wanted to go with this. Everyone's beautiful. Um, yeah, growing up with, with my French was ba basically me being uh, insecure with myself. Uh, and then the part of my life where I started really speaking more in English and using more of my English is when I moved to Montreal And that just happened at the same time as I became a model. And I started kind of going out of my bubble, experiencing these new things like, you know, parties or uh, just jobs with photographers and interacting more with people in, in English in an environment where I had to be more confident and in an environment that was also making me more feel more confident, you know. Um, so I, I, I think in, in general, the way my English evolved starting from there was in a, in a point in my life where I felt more comfortable with who I am and who I accepted more who I am and that I think that reflects itself in uh, the way I interact when I'm, I'm in an English environment I guess or when I'm using my Engl English persona I feel like when you speak English you are more outgoing in the way you speak like you will make uh, bigger differences between like okay louder quieter and blah, blah blah you know you are you sound more like an extra extrovert when you yeah. speak English than when you speak French mm -hmm. yeah I, I think that's absolutely uh, correct also I'll, I've always said that I personally enjoy speaking in English uh, more than I enjoy French even if I'm uh, French is my first language uh, I don't know why I, 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 everybody I, hates French <laughs> yeah well, we, in French we have a saying that French is a bitch, you know? It's, it's, it's not like, okay, people think that French is such a beautiful language. It's so beautiful sounding, magnificent, oh, like a melody to your ears. But it's so fucking hard to learn, eh? <laughs> 
Yeah, honestly, um, if you don't learn it as one of your first languages in life, I don't even know how someone can like learn French well. It's so difficult. There's so many exceptions. There's like, I don't know. <laughs> French is its own thing. <laughs> and what about you? Do you feel like you have different personalities for the different languages you speak? Oh, definitely. Oh, gosh, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I told, I said that I speak five languages. Yeah. And, um, okay, I think a lot of Slovak people will hate me for this now, but I count the Czech language is my fifth language, which I didn't do my whole life. I, most of my life, I, I've never said that I speak five languages or I've never counted Czech as another foreign language. Um, but I started to do so since I moved away. I don't want to explain this now because we have... <laughs> a little part, a little interview with my sister later where we talk Ooh. more deeply about this, about the Czech language and why yeah. we see it in this weird ways, like why, why Slovak people perceive it as not a different language. But anyway, um, so that's why I'm not going to talk about Czech now. Because Czech, for me, it is a bit connected to Slovak. So I'm going to talk about just four languages because I see the biggest differences in those languages. And uh, those languages are? Those languages are Slovak, German, French, and English. I'm from Slovakia and with the Slovak language I simply combine um, kind of like weird things of on one hand um, my family because my whole family is from Slovakia <laughs> yeah. and not everybody speaks German only my mom dad and my sister when we moved to Germany they learned German and my sister was born there um, so nobody of my like the rest of my family doesn't speak German so I connect Slovak with family mm -hmm. and I connected with love but at the same time Slovak was also I connected with kind of like um, not shame but shyness mm -hmm. and also with pain because when I moved back from Germany to Slovakia I had big trouble fitting in where Slovak started out for me as being this loving language from for family then it turned into the language that everybody else was speaking but I had trouble okay and I would make would be made fun of etc like how old were you when you moved back uh, to Slovakia when I moved back to Slovakia I was like eight at the verge of nine so like nine-ish okay. I started school with nine years old in Slovakia okay yeah so during this time when I was in school in Slovakia I kind of I changed a lot in personality and um, up until this day when I speak Slovak I feel like I am kind of like kinder more polite and um I speak like in like a more nicer way, like okay. my my voice is softer and I feel like kind mm -hmm. of like sounds more feminine. And when I left in Germany, I was a kid in Germany. I was a, a kid with, <laughs> not saying no rules, but a free spirit, a child, a child that was exploring. I was a very extroverted kid. And for me, German is combined with this feeling of freedom and so you're crazy friendship. and hippie no but you know that kid-like feeling yeah. this joy of life mm -hmm. that's german for me okay and that's my personality in german too Aww. and english yes i started to learn some english at school but for the longest time we had really bad really bad teachers and me um i started learning english in germany where you start learning english very late etc so most of my english 
the best thing, like I learned not really in school, but while traveling mm. and through modeling. So English for me is this independent language, this um, self-empowering language. This strong woman, I do it myself language. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so in English, I would be more, I would say, sassier. I, I joke around more in English in a, in a more ironic and sarcastic way than mm -hmm. I do in Slovak. Okay. And I feel like I just talk louder in English and just kind of like I feel like I'm more extroverted in English than I am in Slovak. Okay, okay. It's kind of different when I talk to my sister because that's also, you know, we have such a close relationship mm. that... The this, connection is different. Yeah, that the language doesn't matter really. But I mean, when I talk to like regular people that I just have like normal connections with, like mm -hmm. not such a strong connection like with my sister, for example. And French for me is the language that I learned in school, um, that I learned in high school. So French me is basically um, teenage high school Natalia. <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot you, of insecurities. <laughs> do you actually feel like you have uh, like a developed French persona at this point? Because like I feel like I had one, okay. but I feel like I lost it a bit. Because okay. um, during the last like five years, I haven't been really using French anymore. Mm -hmm. so, so you lost it a little bit. I can't. Yeah, I, lo I lost a lot of the language. <laughs> like a lot. Oh my god. I, I now when you would have a high school reunion and they would be like, oh yeah, it's it's talking uh, French. Mm -hmm. I would be just like, oh my god, no. She's I would shit my pants. So cute when she speaks in French. I would shit my pants speaking French publicly. In front of you, I'm like, okay, <laughs> but no, never. Oh no, God, no. It's honestly the cutest thing when she speaks French. <laughs> Mais non. Mais oui. Mais non. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So we talked about our personalities. And now we're going to listen to a little interview with my sister. Maximiliana uh, Mulchova. As I said, my sister Max was uh, not only growing up in Germany, but she was born in Germany. And then later she moved back to Slovakia with us. Yeah. So she also grew up bilingual, maybe even more than me, because. Like she really since she actually, since yeah. she was born into In this Germany, world, yeah. she spoke two languages. And now currently she is learning French at the same school where I went to, but not as in a bilingual way. Like we had a bilingual section our school, yeah. but she's going to like the normal section and they have also French classes. Okay. She's right. pretty good at it. Yeah, she is, she is. Yeah. But that's also because she's just using a lot of Duolingo, <laughs> like yeah. language learning apps. We and do she... have a lot of tools nowadays. Oh my god, she has like a 200 days streak on it yikes that beats my three days streak <laughs> 200 days in a row she was improving her french on that app that's absolutely amazing that's amazing yeah, and she said yeah she said that it helped her so much in school but i believe her yeah okay so let's listen to All max right, let's go hello max welcome to our podcast how do you feel today Hi, and thank you for having me. Sorry for my bad English. It's really bad at this corona time, so sorry for that. And uh, I'm happy that I can be a part of this awesome podcast. And uh, so my name is Max. I'm 18 years old and I'm Natalie's sister. My lovely, amazing, beautiful sister that I wanted to do this <laughs> podcast with in the first place. But then Michael came in my life and I moved to Canada. And it's all I, my fault. It's all Michael's <laughs> fault. It's all Michael's fault. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then she left me. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, Rose, hey! And now, now I'm alone, sitting in her room. <laughs> 
on her bed. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm starting to tear up. So let's start with yes. let's start with our questions. Or I'm gonna just gets too emotional. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cry. Okay. Um. So Maxi, we both lived in Germany. You were actually born in Germany, and yep. I have a question for you. Do you, as somebody that was born in Germany but is Slovak, like you don't have a German citizenship, do you feel like German is more of your mother language or Slovak is more of your mother language? I think this is very uh, difficult to answer because it really depends. Um, like um, the first years I've I've been living in Slovakia, I felt more German because it was um it was too like fresh the the, the moving to Slovakia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, my also my german was way better at that time because um yeah because i was talking german all the time in germany of course um so when i moved to slovak i definitely felt more german but now uh i think that it changed that i feel more slovak and my also my german is getting worse and worse and my slovak is getting way better like now i can say <laughs> yeah that's that the same with me <laughs> it's easier for me it's easier for me to speak slovak than german how long do you feel like it took before you uh you started feeling more slovak than uh, german mm-hmm. that's really hard i don't know how many years i've been living in slovakia actually it's maybe like 13 12 i don't know but yeah something I've, like that it's it's more than maybe it's more than we lived in germany now yeah maybe after after i got to high school maybe i, I like kind of more accepted that i'm slovak mm. because i really wasn't happy about it it's very hard to explain actually that's interesting I, so, I'm, I'm sorry sorry to interrupt you i'm just like you were saying that it took you until high school so that's pretty long because that means it took you like what nine years <laughs> yeah maybe okay maybe maybe i'm t- telling bullshit i don't know what really <laughs> to say like from from what moment so yeah i, I can't say I, I don't know i don't know really don't know Okay, and now if somebody would ask you, what is your mother language, what would you answer? Slovak, definitely. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting for somebody that was born in Germany and probably German was closer to you. Yeah, but you know, because all my friends are Slovak now and it's just like, yeah, all the people around me are Slovak, so it's it's a big part of me now. Yeah, you've been diving in the, the, the that culture for longer than uh, you've been in the yeah. German ones at this point. Okay, good. Yeah, like I still, I'm still not so connected to the Slovak traditions, like I don't know some holidays or the food. I think that's the same, maybe Natalie. I don't know, but like I hate Slovak food, the traditional <laughs> food. I hate it. <laughs> I I like some of the traditional food, but yeah, I know what you mean. The tra- like the traditions that we celebrated in Germany, like Easter, for example. I just no, I can't deal with yeah. Slovak Easter. But Slovak Easter is also super weird. Slovak Easter yeah, basically like, consists like- of um guys going to houses from girls like from house to house getting them out of the house like a group of guys pouring ice ice cold buckets of water on them whipping them and then the girls pay them with money with beautiful like painted eggs with yeah, food and with booze uh, I, t- I think we could do an entire episode on, on slovak easter it's uh, 
it's a pretty weird thing. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. I, but luck yeah, luckily uh, for me, Easter is still like waking up and uh, searching for some sweets, and then I have uh, a lot of sweets and chocolates, and that's See, that's awesome. the good really thing like about Easter, Easter. <laughs> sweets. Yeah, German Easter is better. The Easter <laughs> yeah. bunny is better. <laughs> Definitely better. It's so nice uh, to just wake up and have a bunch of sweets. That's so cool. I'll take chocolate <laughs> over whippings every mom, day. My mom, yeah, like our mom is is still playing like she's the bunny and she's hiding <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, I know. She still does that, even though we are adults. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like it. I would be sad if she stopped doing it. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay, let's yeah. move on to the second question we have for you. Do you feel like you're forgetting the languages you already know since you started learning French? Because Max, the same as I, is now going to a school where she's learning French. Yeah. <laughs> And also the answer is yes, because it's so hard to kind of um, remember all the languages or like stay on the same level with the language. You mm -hmm. have to always keep practicing and like revising fail uh, things because like when I want to get better in French, I have to... Um, to like spend a lot of time learning French and then I have no time for example to to um, get better in my German or like English and um, it's kind of like when you know a lot of languages <laughs> you know a lot of languages but you don't know them at the same level all the time so there's a period in my life when I know English better there's a period in my life when I know French yeah. better or when I knew French better now my French is just horrible <laughs> super cute though yeah, even, yeah, even like, german like even german german i considered my mother language like you you said that slovak is more of your mother language but for me maybe because i was older when i lived in germany like you left germany when you were still kind of young you know i left germany when i was eight nine years old so for me the language was more engraved into my brain and i guess it was more of my personality so i consider german yeah. as my mother language probably for longer than you did as as you described before and um i still i still wouldn't say that slovak is my mother language i would say both and um it's funny though because when i was uh, on modeling trips uh, the last few years and i was trying to talk some german to some german models i had i had problems talking to them like i could speak german for a few sentences and then a word would come up that i couldn't remember in german and my brain would automatically switch yeah. to english and then i would continue in english i think you're that's happening to me right now with english <laughs> go 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 yeah just like this is uh, happening to me right now with english that my english is getting worse and worse because <laughs> yeah. i don't know maybe maybe i'm yeah yeah that's that's a fact because i'm um when i wasn't learning french or i wasn't that interested in it i was um i was watching a lot of survivor in english and that helped me a lot <laughs> And mm -hmm. uh, so my English got better and better. But now when I'm concentrating on, on French, maybe a bit more, then the English is kind of falling behind. And I'm, I'm thinking just like, mm, okay, I can speak English. Nothing will change, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything changes once you stop. <laughs> That's the thing about languages, right? Like you, you can't take for granted that you know a language or that you, you, you can speak a language. Like the, mo the biggest part of being fluent in a language is actually talking about like using the language 
as like in your everyday life or yeah. you know as much as possible so if you don't use a certain language you're gonna get like a little bit rusty over time and like okay. i've been feeling it with my french which is my main language because i speak mostly in english nowadays so really with your french too yeah, but actually yeah. also because michael michael is yeah, a also, native example, french um, speaker yeah sorry continue yeah, yeah, then, uh, I, yeah i wanted to say that uh, i think that this um it is uh easier to forget for me uh english than german because german at the end of the day it's my second uh, mother language so it's kind of like i i will never forget it in that kind of way how i'm forgetting english right now mm, yeah okay I still feel english same. isn't my mother language it's just something that i that i taught of myself but i was being taught and am still being taught so yeah yeah that's true even though for me because we moved to germany when i was like one and a half years old two years old so it's not like i spoke german from the beginning of my life but i was still very young and very um i was still very receiving of uh new informations and new receptive receptive okay yeah <laughs> i was still very receptive of new inputs and languages it's just it's scientifically proven that when you are the younger you are the easier it is for you to learn new languages and i feel like they they save like your brain saves them better as as other languages that you learn later yeah. in life yeah so people teach your children two languages at least <laughs> exactly <laughs> teach your children uh, if you can teach your children more languages 100%. Yeah, and an interesting an interesting thing is that our our uh, parents they are both Slovak and they they have like a strong Slovak accent in German, but we don't have it. Yeah, like, that's true. That's true. Even though they were speaking to us in that um, German with the Slovak accent, we we learned it in the like a, in the German way. I don't know how to describe it, but our German is way better than there. Yeah, yeah. well, you guys so, are like immersed in 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 being young as well. You know, you you learn not only through your parents, but by practicing through school or friends. And and since you were also like you could you got influenced by people that are like originated from Germany or that had like a normal German accent. Uh, so and when you learn a new language, you kind of take everything that's best around you and I, I i have a feeling you could probably hear your parents having an accent and you didn't really want to mimic uh, that part of their german <laughs> so. like you as a kid were probably comparing your parents how they speak if they have an accent to everybody else around you and you kind of realize that oh okay this is probably the right way to speak when more people speak this way i think yeah and, and another thing i wanted to talk about if it doesn't if it's okay like yeah it's okay that um uh that how our personalities change with the language oh my god honey i have that uh oh. <laughs> honey <laughs> honey yeah i'm your honey you, 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 get, you are you are both now? <laughs> you are both my honey now, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I also have a third question here we have yeah i have three questions prepared if you also have a french persona already like you have different personalities yeah, you have different personalities according to the languages you speak. Most people experience this. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering, like, you you are not learning 
You haven't been learning French for that long, so I was wondering if you already developed a French personality. No, I don't think so, because I'm not speaking French so much. Yeah, yeah, it shows mostly when I'm speaking. For example, when I'm speaking German, I have a really, like, a deep, deep voice, and I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm more like, uh, um, like a male. <laughs> <laughs> Maxi's alpha German. It's You're a tomboy. To You're a tomboy in German. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm speaking Slovak, I have like a more higher voice, like high pitched, and I also have a different personality. And when I speak English, I I have like a middle. <laughs> middle voice. <laughs> no, you're you're sassy when you you speak English. Okay, how would you describe your three personalities? Let's take German, English, <laughs> and Slovak. Let's forget about Czech. For all the people that are not Slovak people listening here, most people in Slovakia know, like understand, and speak Czech as well. More understand that they actually speak, but we understand the Czech language. It's very similar. But I realized that it's mm. not as similar. We were just growing up with it's it. Not similar yeah i know i know yeah. but i i thought for years that it's super similar and that's what most slovak people think and i was kind of ashamed of saying that uh, I also speak Czech or like, you know, when somebody was asking yeah. me how many languages do you speak, I would never say that I also speak Czech. But since I... Yeah, like uh, also four, always four, not five. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I never include the Czech one, but, but yeah, you should include it. Yeah. And so, and since I started traveling, I realized that, oh my God, yeah, it's true. Like the Czech language, it is similar because it's a Slavic language, but it's not the same. Like there are big differences differences in the language and I started noticing that also with our cousin Amalia who is not growing up yeah. surrounded by Czech people or growing up with Czech media and she doesn't understand Czech yeah you, you remember this uh this Christmas holiday yeah when we were watching Cinderella yeah like what what is it Aschendrude Aschenputte Aschendrude oh Aschendrude in... I think I don't know how it's Wait. called originally yeah. like I think it's German or it's like a German and check uh, it's movie, yeah like. it's uh you like for the for the people listening uh from canada or from the states you probably when you watch christmas movie you watch home alone and in slovakia and also in germany and in czech republic we watch a version of cinderella that's called popoluska or popelka and aschenbrödel or aschenputtel in german and it's a German-Czech collaboration, and that's our Christmas mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, so and it is. Um, we're always watching it in Czech. We wanted to show it to Amalia, our little cousin, and she she can speak Flemish and Slovak. So, but their Slovak is uh, a bit worse. But it's like okay. Just for information, Amalia, our cousin, is growing up in Belgium. She's growing up bilingual, but mo she's learning more Flemish than she's learning Slovak. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, so we were watching it in uh, Czech, and she was telling us that she couldn't understand. And we were completely, like, shocked that how can you not understand? Like, it's Czech. And it's <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, what? And she and she wanted that to... She wanted us to put, uh, I think, English subtitles that she could understand. So, like, her English is better than her Czech. But she speaks Slovak. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's so interesting because how old, how old is she now? Eight or something like that? Wait, she's 10 years younger. Yeah, eight. Yeah, so at eight years, eight years old, she has better English than she understands Czech, even though she understands Slovak and both are Slavic languages. So that shows how different Czech is. And since that, plus since I started traveling and comparing it to other languages, I, I decided that from now on, I will include Czech when people <laughs> ask me how many languages do you speak. Yeah. Also, for anyone listening also, that is not from Europe uh, or lives in North America, you know out here in, in North America, like when you speak, when you're bilingual, when you speak two languages, it's, it's considered like good. Uh in Europe, or there's a big like, difference. Wow. Like the norm in Europe is pretty much minimum two languages, and then it goes up from there. So, for example, yeah. like these two ladies over here, they speak like five languages, and they're learning new languages still. So, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely a big difference in terms of known languages between Europe and North America. But that probably has something to do with cultural proximity. Yeah, and also it has something to do with um, country sizes and kind of like the significance of your country. Not that Slovakia is insignificant, but but, but. Uh, <laughs> it's just that your country is <laughs> your country is small and if you have a small country like Slovakia that has 5 million inhabitants and only those 5 million inhabitants speak Slovak and maybe some like one or two people in other countries I don't know just like few immigrants from um, like from Slovakia and other countries um, that kind of forces you to learn other languages to be able to find your way in the world no it said beautifully baby ah oh, thank yeah. you and <laughs> close curtain and scene <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Maximi, do you have do you have anything else you would like to share in this podcast with us? Mm, maybe something I don't know if it's if it's that interesting, but um, I think you can relate that if someone is speaking German, that he he's um, immediately so likable for us. <laughs> That's true. Like I don't know, <laughs> it's stupid, but it's like if someone speaks German, I'm like, be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if somebody yeah if somebody like oh talk to me baby talk to me german please shit i need to learn yeah, german i don't know but really but if if i if i hear someone speaking german it's so he's so likable like not just likable max me but he's hot if it's a guy he's hot <laughs> yeah it's, it's also hot but <laughs> even even in you girls like i find it hot german on girls too friends. and i'm heterosexual oh, yeah. so <laughs> Big surprise, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> what? Baby. <laughs> but that's so true. When somebody starts speaking German, I'm like, oh, oh, do you want to be my friend? Come on. Yes, no, maybe. Check the box. <laughs> but this yeah. probably has something to do with uh, yeah. like positive associations. Like, uh, I think I think you both had a, a pretty good experience um, in Germany when you Amazing. were younger. And now when you, f you meet someone that speaks German while outside of... A country that usually speaks German, you kind of have this quick um, association or that that quick nostalgia, good feeling. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I think that I think most people have that with different languages. Oh, and Natalie, uh, do you have like the same feeling as I do? Like when somebody's telling something bad about Germany that you feel so attacked? Oh my God, yes. Yeah, she does. I feel so <laughs> attacked. I, I have to protect Germany. <laughs> Like when when somebody's telling something bad about Slovakia, I just I just also start 
telling some shit about Slovakia and and it's fun like <laughs> it's normal to to say some shit about Slovakia and I, I kind of like it that we are making fun of our country <laughs> yeah that, that's a big thing there's a big thing about Slovak people living in Slovakia that you kind of you kind of like your country but you also don't like a lot of things about your country and I think most of people, like most Slovaks will probably agree on this, that you kind of joke around about your country and you constantly talk about it with uh, other people like, oh, Slovakia is so shitty, like, oh, shitty Slovakia. Like, we'll... <laughs> yeah, but I like that humor. <laughs> but if someone, yeah, me too. <laughs> if, someone, if someone tells me that, oh, we went through Germany and I don't know, we, we were stuck in, in traffic jam and stupid Germany... I'm I'm so hurt. <laughs> like, stop talking some bad shit about my country. <laughs> no. Okay, thank you, Maximi. Thank you for joining us. And maybe we can talk soon again. Bye. Yeah, this was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Max. Yeah, thank you. And wow, I mean, pretty interesting insights. I kind of expected to have a five minutes interview and then she started saying all the very interesting things. So we ended up taking a bit more time, but uh, that's okay. That's all good. Yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit like all of our Skype calls. Every time we talk with my sister through a video chat, video call, it's always like, oh yeah, we're just gonna call for like five minutes, 10 yeah, max, and never. then we end up speaking for one hour, two hours, five hours. Yeah, I think that's also the story of this podcast we're always like we're gonna try to make it around an hour and it will never happens <laughs> it, it yeah we should try to make it shorter though i'm really trying to try to condense everything but yeah yeah it's not working i feel so like far. we just have a lot of thoughts on everything <laughs> that's good i guess it's a good thing when you really have a podcast <laughs> yes yeah, so, uh, there are two things um max wanted me to add that we kind of like <clears throat> once we finished recording the part for the podcast we we <laughs> we continued calling for another two hours and yep. uh, she was saying that there are two things she would like to mention so in behalf of my sister uh, she was also saying uh, when you speak two languages or more languages mm -hmm. uh, as a child usually yeah. like maybe also when you're older I don't know but children that grow up bilingual trilingual etc yep. they will merge words into one so take one word from one language take another word from another language and merge it together really so my sister um gave the example of socks yeah socks in german are zocken zocken and in slovak it's ponoski zockenski no 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 oh, yeah okay almost and we <laughs> merged it into ponosken ponosken okay you did the inverse you did the inverse <laughs> okay. yeah. but yeah <laughs> okay, okay so we would we would always say ponosken like oh where am i ponosken <laughs> your parents would have been looking at you like what the fuck is she talking about it's so funny i love to watch this all the time <laughs> in the videos oh that's the best Right. Uh, and then there are words that we still up until this day just use in one language we, we don't translate those words even though they have a translation in the, in the other language that we use mm -hmm. we just kind of like always use this word in this language and we continue yeah so um gummy bears um we always use the german word we always say gummy bärchen okay we always say that like or gummy me that's like a short 
version we yeah. used as children. And I, I feel like you have specific words that you you always like use that is not like we talk in English, me and Natalia. Like we like we could speak in French, but that like she's not as uh, fluent in French as she is in English. So like most I, of the time I was. I actually yeah. have a higher degree in French than really? I have in English. Like my graduation in French is C1, okay. which is the second highest you can have, and in English it's B2. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I would mm. not say that my French is C1 <laughs> anymore. Like no, 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 yeah. no, no. Anyway, so we we speak in English, right? And and sometimes she's just gonna be talking about something, and then she's gonna drop a German word in the sentence, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's 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 what the word I use for Kleenex is, for example. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and then there's something that I kind of talked about with my sister also that um, when I was preparing for this podcast and kind of like putting my thoughts together, what I would like to talk about, etc. Because you know, this podcast is um, mostly run by me. I mean, yeah, Michael is also doing his thing. She does the hard work. Yeah, I'm the one who edits it. I'm the one who comes up with the ideas for the episodes and. I just talk a bunch of nonsense on here yeah it's sometimes like okay i'm just i just tell michael okay like do a little bit of research on this on this or when you have something inter- interesting about this topic um but yeah it's usually me who kind of like deals with the organi- organization of the podcast yes um and i was sitting behind my desk and just kind of like putting my thoughts together and then i realized that oh wow i speak five languages that's like it's like having five dictionaries in your brain Yeah, that was confusing. <laughs> it's not just confusing, but when you re- like, you know, that makes you realize how much fits in your brain. Like, yeah, wow. Of course, our brains are fucking amazing. <laughs> and I told that to Max, yeah. and she was like, "Oh yeah, like when I'm learning biology, I often feel like, yeah, um, I already have that space occupied by languages. <laughs> so next time, I should go to uh, my biology teacher and just say that, oh yeah, sorry, I had trouble like remembering this, you know." I have already German in my brain. Like German already <laughs> occupies that space. Like, oh yeah, sorry, biology. You know, this this hard, seat hard, is taken. <laughs> hard drive is full. Which is funny because that's that's not at all how brain no, works. It's actually the opposite. Like, the more you learn, the more are you able to learn. Like, um, because your brain can build infin- infinite connections and yeah. um, thoughts and like memory is formed through um, connections between your um, brain cells mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of like the more connections you make the more new connections you can make because you already have a bigger number of connections so from yeah. that bigger number you can connect even more and etc so actually the more you learn the the easier it is to learn even more yep so from <laughs> so yeah it was it was more a thing that he, she just doesn't like biology <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really interesting bridge that we can make with the final topic of our podcast. If if knowing multiple languages like this creates more connection in your brain, does knowing more languages or being bilingual makes you smarter? Yeah, does bilingualism or multilingualism make us smarter? And maybe you have maybe you have already seen a lot of headlines and magazines recently being like oh yeah teach your kid a second language and it will excel at school it will have straight a's and it'll be super smart and that's not really how that works not quite not quite it is true though that bilingualism has been linked with higher gray matter density better problem solving skills multitasking uh, decision making and also has positive effect on plenty of things uh, for example the development of dementia um and there's one more thing that your brain kind of gets 
better at filtering out irrelevant information. Irre- ir- irrelevant? I- irre- irre- <laughs> fuck. Irrelevant? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Irrelevant information. Oh, wow. <laughs> the thing is, though, with this, that, um, okay, it's not completely wrong, but they, these things, that with the gray matter, like there's a higher gray matter density, etc., mm-hmm. that means you have more neurons, more connections, but the question usually is that, okay, if you have a, you know, if you have a bigger brain, does that make you smarter? Mm. And this, that doesn't have to be necessarily the case. You know, like, whales have huge brains, yeah. but we humans are smarter than a whale. Yeah, exactly. It depends on how your, your brain is actually trained and evolves. Yeah, and um, so there have been a lot of studies that were trying to really, like, answer this question, if it actually makes you smarter. And they had different... Res- Fuck, there's something in my mouth, sorry. Oh, wow, a hair. <laughs> Oh, wow, the benefits of long hair. I need to, I need to <laughs> cut my hair, Jesus. Tell me about it. Um, okay, so um, these studies, they had kind of like contradicting results. So um, like, uh, it's a 50-50 or 60-40 or something. There's mm-hmm. not really a scientific consensus that, yes, bilingualism or multilingualism makes you smarter. Um, but that the reason why you see so many headlines and so many magazines writing about, yeah, bilingualism makes you smarter, blah, blah, it's because there is something called a publish publication bias which means that um obviously pe- people are more interested into reading those those studies those results of the studies that say that it makes you smarter than the results that just doesn't say anything and then they mm. say that oh yeah we can't tell this with some well, that makes sense that's boring right <laughs> yeah because that's boring nobody would read that yeah <laughs> Exactly. And then there's also a problem in the science community where there is a scientific bias where most of these studies are done as retrospective studies. So Mm -hmm. people kind of like remembering and it's all about like people if they feel like it made them smarter if they feel like yeah. well, it, you know it, it, like there are some things yes they also measure brain waves mm-hmm. etc like those things or not brain waves but they like look at the brain yeah um but yeah, those are the things that we already said with the with the gray matter and yeah. with the connections etc like those things are proven mm-hmm. but the objective question of does it make us smarter cannot be really answered yet. No. It, it Studying the brain and studying how intelligence works, it's it's something that's really difficult because there is no one definition of what smart is. Like someone can be smart in a different way than another person. You have qualities, you have talents, and as much as you can try to define it through tests like IQ tests and everything, you're always going to be testing things that are very specific. Person might excel in where someone else might not excel in. So what you're testing is basically variables that you choose, which is your own definition or a specific definition of what intelligence or being smart is, which is not always a a representation of a reality. It might be a representation of a certain reality, but it's not necessarily a representation of a reality of someone else, you know? So it's something that's not absolutely clear what you're even defining with this. Yeah, yeah, sure. But even even though we can't move forward with like arguments regarding this because we don't have any a, anywhere to go with the smart thing because we like you don't you, you can't really define it. Like what what is smart? Even? Yeah. What exactly. does it mean to be smart? Yeah, exactly. Like, and because you, like, you know, the... there's terms like street smart, which means people that are <laughs> are good like at uh, haggling. You know, they're wearing yeah. around city. They 
da. But the, these people might not be academic, academically smart, whereas someone might spend his life in a library, but you put him in the street and they know what to do, you know? Yeah, just the definition of smart is already really difficult. Yeah. But we can ask ourselves the question if language shapes the way we think. Exactly. That is something we can answer. And yep. that is something we have already, like, various proof of <laughs> how language or different languages shape the way we think. Yeah. Uh, there's around 7,000 languages um, in our That's world. That's a lot. Um, yeah, like every day it's getting less and less because mm -hmm. the world is becoming more globally connected and a lot of languages die out. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, like it's still around like that number, which yeah. is a lot of languages. And a language is also a reflection of the culture. Yeah, language is definitely something very cultural. And with this, I would really like to mention a book that's called uh, 1984 by uh, George Orwell. And it's... It's a book about a dystopian future where the totalitarian regime in power invents a new language or changes the, the language that people were speaking yeah. from the old language they call old speak and then they have a new language that's new speak. Yeah. That's that's exactly that's how they call it. No, that's, seriously, it's a dumb yeah. name, but that's how they call it. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. And everyone speaks the same language, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like within one country or, you know, you speak mm -hmm. the same language. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure. I think the language, I think the language is supposed to be English. Like old speak is English as we know it. Okay. And new speak is the transformed English. Version of, okay. Yeah. So um, in, in this language, the regime, the totalitarian regime, the people in power, they um, f forbid words mm -hmm. to be used. So I don't know, things like... The thing, all the words that could question the regime, that could go against the regime. So, like, for example, there, are, there isn't a word for rebellion. So yeah. the word rebellion doesn't exist or, um, or I don't know, politically wrong or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, like, words of defiance. Exactly. But they also limit the vocabulary of people. So there's less words you can use to communicate. And they do it uh, because they um, believe that the less words you use, the less you can think. Mm -hmm. um, or the less complex thoughts you can make. Yeah. Uh, so, and less complex thoughts would lead to less rebellion yeah. in the, like, the logic of That's the government. That's crazy to think about that. Like, you meant, you know, everything that you think is restricted by the constructs that you can imagine. Yeah. So, if there's no words, if there's no conceptualization for certain things, can you come up with them can you think them yeah like for example if there's no word for soul would we even think that there is something as a soul or would we even believe in souls if we don't have a yeah. word for it someone would have to come up with it yeah <laughs> it's like it's kind of um it's something that uh, there's also multiple research going on like different directions like obviously it's not as easy as in the book but it asks a very important question and a very yeah. interesting one and also like it's not just like limiting the vocabulary in the new language, but they also kind of like um, limit the alternations of the word. Yeah. So, for example, you will have the word pretty or warm and you... Uh, oh, sorry. You used to have the word pretty or warm, mm 
-hmm. but those words don't exist anymore okay and you only use ugly or you only use cold and if you want to say pretty you say unugly or non-ugly <laughs> and if you want to say warm you send you say uncold okay which kind of like in your brain you know because when you say warm you imagine something completely else yeah than if you say cold yeah but if you say just cold and uncold un it's you know it's, it's kind of like the yeah, similar it's not thing warm, it's just not cold yeah exactly yeah. it's you know you yeah. kind of like picture different things and and this might seem very far-fetched or very far away but even in, in in our world today you can you can see it uh we had a discussion right before uh we started the podcast but in german um well you, you know in, in different languages there's different genera like in, in gender sorry genders yeah yeah in in french we have like feminine and masculine there's um usually okay in slovak we have the feminine gender the masculine yeah. gender and, and the, neutral, right? the yeah the it, it gender the, yeah um in english there's no specific genders but we had this discussion because in german there's also genders and we're talking about the moon for example whereas in french la lune it's it's a it, it's a feminine word and in german it's quite the opposite it what, what's the word for the the moon mond 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 okay i can't okay both But. both in german and in slovak it's a masculine yeah it's uh mond and messiats Exactly. And in French, it's a feminine thing. So for me, for example, when I picture the moon, I picture something that's more feminine, that's more delicate, that's more beautiful. Uh, Because like, not that men are not all those things, but things that you would stereotypically associate yeah, exactly. with a gender. Exactly. And, and uh, Natalia, for example, sees the moon uh, quite differently because of those uh, perceptive stereotypes bias like that are very like attached or connected to yeah. genders. And for me, like when I started learning French, then I kind of, I don't know, I really liked, I always loved the word la lune. Mm -hmm. I always loved the word, like, I don't know. <laughs> So when I started learning French, this idea of the moon being something masculine yeah. changed into something feminine. But that's because I liked it more Yeah. for some reason. But the sun, for example, mm -hmm. the sun in um, German and also in Slovak. Oh, sorry. No, in, in Slovak, it, uh, Slovak, the sun is an it. But okay, in German, yeah. the sun is uh, feminine. feminine. And in English, it's the sun, like a masculine sun. There's no gender in English. Or wait. It's in French, le soleil. Oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, okay, okay. But also, okay. When somebody says the sun, I picture something masculine. Okay, it's possible that you can associate a specific gender even if there's no technical gender in the language. Yeah, because the just sounds masculine to me. I guess there is an it. I know, I know yeah. it's an it, but yeah. it sounds masculine to me. Maybe because but you yeah, have okay. concept of specific mm, yeah. construct. I don't know. No, no. But anyway, in German, yeah. when somebody says mm. die Sonne, yeah, then I'm just like, yeah, it's a beautiful woman in the in the sky, <laughs> like a, a power. The sun for yeah. me, it's like the powerful lady that like yeah. that that Power gives us heat <laughs> <laughs> and and even even deeper than than that um There's an author that I really like. He's called Paul uh, Ekman. Um, for those of you who watch the TV series Lie to Me, um, he, he's kind of a, the, the main character of the series Lie to Me is a personification of uh, this author. Uh, Paul Ekman is a researcher, a psychologist that went around and he went around the world and studied the way people perceived and uh, demonstrated emotions. And his goal was to try to find uh, universal emotions or universal, mm -hmm. you know, physical representation of emotions. That, that everybody feels, that everybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, that they, and stuff. Yeah, just mm -hmm. to, to try and see if emotions were cultural or if emotions were universal. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And what he found is that there is some emotions that are universal. So, for example, uh, fear. Fear is something that anybody can can uh, perceive. But then there's some emotions that are very culture specific. For example, uh, I believe disgusts. 
mm-hmm. is something that is that is seen in North America. Like it's something that's very like Occidental as mm-hmm. a or Europe too. Yeah, as a as a kind of an emotions. But this emotion specifically is not seen in certain tribes or in certain like underdeveloped uh, civilization, for example. And that brings a really interesting questions, uh, even when it comes to language, is because uh, technically emotions and gesture is another form of language. Yeah. Like we didn't really touch on that uh, during mm. this podcast. but Yeah, we didn't. But yes, sure. Like there's sign language, yeah. there's generally mimics and gesture. Um, and it's, it, it's a different form of language. And it, it's, it, it brings yeah. that really interesting question. Uh, and maybe we can leave it in the air to, uh, to end the podcast on that. But like it brings this in- really interesting question Whereas if certain words or certain concepts don't exist in your specific language and your specific culture, then how much does it affect your interactions with others? If you don't have, if you only have a certain set of emotions that you um, that you show or that you can mm-hmm. exert, like those emotions that you can't show, like they don't exist for you. And that's something that's really fascinating because it, it not only it does it's not only that it limits the way you can interact with other people, but it completely changes it because the range of spectrum the range of the spectrum is either more limited or it's like more or less limited my thoughts on this are a bit they might sound a bit hectic right now and uh, michael is like i look at him and his eyes are sparkling <laughs> and he he's just like oh my god i'm just just this child so interested in everything and wow <laughs> hopefully i was able to like communicate it a little bit through this uh yeah i hope you understood moment. what michael was saying i mean I, I understood what he was saying but um to sum up um different languages and differences in languages affect also uh, our emotions or they it's a it's a connected thing so yeah. the language affects emotions the emotions might affect yeah. the language so if that interests you definitely do more research on it because languages don't only affect emotions only affect your concepts like it affects colors it's effect it's affecting the way people see time it's, a, it's a, like it's amazing yeah. the influence that it has languages are so fascinating i you know when i was in school and i would have to learn a different language or like with mm-hmm. french i kind of had this love-hate relationship but most people when they are in school and learning a different language they are like oh, oh this new language is so yeah. annoying blah blah but when you look into it then like languages yeah. are actually super fascinating at the end of the day it opens you up to so much possibilities and yeah, it does. not just information or just new words and new people but a new a way new... of seeing the world around you exactly it gives you so beautiful yeah languages make you like learning different languages make you see the world in different ways exactly that's a beautiful thought yeah i think i think that's a beautiful (laughs) thought to end this podcast on so it really is one brain and multiple personalities or better said multiple ways of experiencing the world around us (laughs) (laughs) we just both made a head movement of like la 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 So yeah, thank you for listening uh, to this episode. I hope you found it interesting. If you're listening on iTunes, then we would really appreciate if you would give us uh, a rating um, (laughs) because, you know, those things boost the algorithm. Uh, If you are watching this on my YouTube channel, then I would love... Thumbs up, or like if you really didn't like the podcast, thumbs down, okay. But nah. <laughs> um, and leave us a comment. We yeah. we love we reading love comments. construction comments. Yeah, constructive if you, comments. Yeah, we really would love to get some comments from you. And if you're listening to Spotify, then yeah, give us a follow if you <laughs> like this podcast and share this podcast with your friends, family, and just everybody you would like yeah. to listen to it. Because so far we've uh, like it's been great. So I think we're gonna keep going with this. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun fun time. See you <laughs> soon. Thank Bye. You, ciao.